Ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of The Essential 11, brought to you by Acton Academy and brought to you by Acton Academy Placer. Uh, today's guest, a man by the name of Jeff Woods. Jeff is the vice president of The One Thing. Um, you may have seen the, the book uh, aptly titled The One Thing. Uh, it's a white book with one kind of going down the middle of it, and it's I, I feel like I see it everywhere. Um, maybe it's because I, I know Jeff, or maybe it's, well, I don't know what it is. It's one of my favorite business books, but um, The One Thing, his vice president of the organization, The One Thing. He's also the host of The One Thing podcast, uh, which is actually in the top 5% of all podcasts in the entire world. Uh, and after hearing the Jim Rohn quote, you know, the, the average of the five people you spend the most time with, Jeff uh, kind of went out on a mission to surround himself with high-level CEOs, successful entrepreneurs, and fast forward, Jeff went from employee to entrepreneur, uh, launching a company with the co-authors of the best-selling book, The One Thing. So uh, he's featured all the time on entrepreneur.com, Entrepreneur Magazine. He's on a mission to help people better invest their time and achieve uh, just extraordinary results, and he is highly successful at it. So I think you're going to enjoy this episode with the great and powerful Mr. Jeff Woods. Well, we'll go live with Mr. Jeff Woods, handsome man himself, the man, the myth, the legend. How you doing, buddy? Delightful. Yourself? Yeah, I'm doing very well, man. Thank you. It's cool to get to, this is the second time in the last couple of weeks that we've got to chat. You know, usually go uh, like a year in between conversations. So so two in a couple of weeks, man, it's an honor. It's almost like it's my birthday. It, you know, so yeah, yours, yours. No, it's almost like that's it's right, mine. That's right. It's, it's, yeah. it's better for me than it is for yeah. you, I'm sure. <laughs> well, thanks, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate you connecting and uh, excited to to hear your answers to all of this. Now, it's you focus on normally the one thing, but we've got 11 things that we kind of want to hit while we're here. So hopefully we're okay. Well, you're doing them one at a time. Oh, that's, God, man, so good. See, this is why you're a pro, man. This is why you're here. So if anybody does not know who Jeff Woods is, we always like to start with kind of an X-Men origin story, so to speak. So whatever you'd like to share on, on that, um, we'd love for you to kind of kick it off with that. Sure. So I, I'm a family man with a business, not a businessman with a family. Love it. Uh, my, my wife, Amy, and I and our two kids, Daphne and Dean, just have an awesome time here in Austin right now. We're, we're actually looking at relocating to Denver, possibly. Okay. Just a funny story about this. The, the purpose of a goal is to be appropriate in the moment. It's not actually about achieving the result. And last year, Amy and I, when we did our couple's goal setting retreat, we asked ourselves the questions, where do we want to be someday from now? What's important to us? And the idea of mountains has always had a place in our heart. Yeah. I was born in Denver and uh, grew up going to the mountains with my family. It's some of my fondest memories of being a kid. Yeah. But being in Texas, when I've got little kids, it, there, it felt like there was a void. Like I just wasn't passing down the rituals that really mattered. And as long as I was running the company, I felt like I had to be in Austin. But with, with COVID, we became a virtual company and, and things started to change. And one of the things that Amy and I do every year is we take a purposeful vacation to a place that we may want to live one day. That way it's not just like, hey, where do you want to go right. this year? It's like, right. no, let's be There's purposeful intentionality. with it. Yeah. So we, we, we took the trip and uh, the, the dominoes really lined up in a way that now we actually have the opportunity to take a someday goal of living near the mountains and compressing it to something that could happen before the end of the year. How cool, man. Good for you. Great place to go too. Yeah. I mean, gosh, yeah. you couldn't have picked a better place. That's great. And that marriage retreat too that you mentioned. So you and I got connected kind of through the... Um, really through the Acton sphere, and um, there's a there's a big tie uh, 
in a number of ways between Acton and Keller and, and kind of these two families. Um, a lot of crossover that that's there. And, and one of the Acton owners uh, had introduced us and, and connected us. And one of the first things she told me, she's like, hey, if you get a chance, this marriage retreat. So that is something that that first year or two, we looked at it, there was just, I was traveling so much and speaking, um, just dates weren't lining up, but that is still on the agenda. Something I, I definitely would like to like to attend. Well, November, it's in November and we're doing it virtual this year. Are you? So yeah. you don't yeah. have to travel. Well, I don't have so to travel go, at all. Check out, it's, it's the one thing.com slash set my goals. Yeah. And it's with the number one. Yep. So the, the number one thing.com slash set my goals and you can learn more about it there. That's awesome, man. I love that. So give people a little more insight on, onto your journey. I mean, we're talking about the one thing. Most people I think of have at least heard of that, maybe seen the book, um, but talk about your connection with the organization. What is sure. it you're doing? So the one thing is the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. It started out as a book that Gary Keller, who started Keller Williams and his co-author Jay Papazan published. To date, it's one of the highest rated business books of all time. And when they looked up, they realized, holy smokes, there's a company here. But Gary's one thing is running Keller Williams. Jay's one thing is education for KW. They needed somebody whose one thing was the one thing. And that became my opportunity. So the three of us co-founded this company. And, and prior to starting it, I was in medical device sales. I was out in Southern California. I was running through hospitals, selling devices that actually saved lives. I wore scrubs and tried to get my wife to call me McDreamy. She said, no. <laughs> yeah. uh, you just gave us the, the title for the, uh, for the episode. So we're good. Yep, it's yep, all good. Yep. Somebody's going to call you. Exactly. <laughs> and I was in a place in my life, Matt, where even though things were good, something was missing. I just, I, I felt like I wasn't living my purpose. I felt like I was meant for more. And I think a lot of people know what that feels like. And the truth is I didn't have enough pain in my life at the time to compel me to take action. Mm. Two things happened that raised the pain. First, a colleague of mine had a stroke when he was 35. Mm. And I remember my wife and I had just bought a house in Orange County, just had our first child. My wife decided to become a stay-at-home mom. I remember standing in the kitchen wondering, if what happened to my colleague had happened to me, what would happen to my family? That was extremely unsettling. And then the next week, my company needed to make a, a change to our commission structure to remain competitive in the marketplace. And overnight, I lost 40% of my income, which I think there's a lot of people with everything that's going on right now knows what it feels like to, to have a big pay cut. And that's when the pain was elevated and it forced me to start asking different questions, searching for different answers. I heard this Jim Rohn quote that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Looked at my five, had a lot of gratitude for who they were, but realized I didn't actually have, I wasn't surrounding myself with people who are where I wanted to be yet. Right. That set me on a journey and turns out Jay Papazan was the keynote speaker at our national sales meeting and I cornered him when he came off stage and that began a relationship and you fast forward, here we are. What did you say when he came off stage? Oh, you want to unpack that? Yeah, yeah I, do. I do. I yeah, do because I this because is worth I, unpacking. Yeah, because I love that. Uh huh. I had already been down. I had already, by the time I had met Jay, invested enough of my time going to networking meetings or to masterminds, and there was something that really stood out to me. The most successful people showed up in the room looking to give, not looking to get. It, it really rocked me to my core when I saw it. And so when I approached Jay, I approached with the heart of how can I serve? How could I be of, of support? And I said, Jay, first and foremost, thank you. I'm at this crossroads in my life. The, the message you just shared, I feel called to share it. My name's Jeff Woods. I, I have this podcast called The Mentee. What can I possibly do to help more people understand what the one thing is? How can I spread your message? 
And he said, we can do an interview. I said, awesome. And so we did the podcast interview. Yeah. And at the end of the interview, I asked him out of everything you're focusing on, where do you need help most right now? And he said, we're looking for more exposure for the book. I said, okay, cool. I've got some ideas. And we ended the call. He didn't know that I was writing for entrepreneur.com at the time. I wrote an article, published it, and started blasting it on social media, tagging him and Gary. And I started to see him resharing some of my posts. And so I commented, what are you focusing on? How can I help? So this is my third time trying to come from contribution. And he said, we're looking for more exposure. He didn't know that I had relationships with some of the top podcasters in the world. So I got him booked on all these episodes. Circled back. What are you focusing on? How can I help? Time number four. And he said, you know, we're looking for a, a publishing CEO. And in that, in that moment, Matt, there were three people that popped in my mind that I had come into contact with that I thought might be a good fit. And I said, you know what? I've got some guys that might be interesting. Let's chat so I can understand the job description and I'd, I'd be happy to make an intro if appropriate. When we got on the phone, he surprised me because he didn't, de he didn't describe the three guys I was thinking of. He described me. And I did what every ambitious, hungry person looking for the next step in their career would do in that moment. I said, can I call you back? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got to go and panic sat, a little bit first. Yeah. yeah. I sat in my car in silence for five minutes, which never happens because I knew this was a defining moment. And I literally walked into my house, looked at my wife and said, I just got off the phone. I bet everything's about to change. I bet we end up moving to Texas. And she said, excuse me? And I said, hold on. And I ran into my office, grabbed my microphone because I knew I had to document the moment. That became episode 57 of the Mentee podcast, okay. which was my podcast at yeah. the time. I literally documented me going from employee to entrepreneur, the, like the whole conversations, me resigning from my job, the whole thing. How cool is that? I did not know uh -huh. that story. That is, I love that, man. How, how did you know to go from, I mean, you, you, you gave examples of four different times where you came from a place of providing value first, right? Was it literally just being in, in the room and seeing all those people do that and that's when it kind of clicked? Is that something you already kind of yes. knew? Like, I was showing up to the room. I, 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 the, remember, the level of pain in my life yep. had escalated. Yep. So I, I knew I needed to start my journey to becoming a business owner. Yeah. I knew I needed to surround myself with people who are where I wanted to be. And I had a big vision for my life, which means I wasn't just looking for a business owner. I was looking for people who had built massive businesses that made a massive impact in the world and delivered real security for their family. Yeah. And what was interesting is I did what most people do in networking rooms. When I'm talking to somebody, I'm asking the question, can they help me? And if not, I'm looking over their shoulder to see if there's anybody better I should be talking to. But what shocked me was when I would have a conversation with somebody that I perceived to be a heavy hitter, they were present. Yeah. They weren't looking around and they were always asking me, hey, out of everything you're focusing on, where do you need help on this right now? How can I help you? And I'm going, what? How can you help me? It, was, it, left, it left such an impression on me that I went, holy smokes, it's not about looking to get, it's looking to give. And since I was in the position where I didn't think I had anything to give, I, I, I just said, well, I need, to, I need to try to figure out. So let me at least ask the question. I love that, man. I love that. And is uh, that pain, you know, you're talking about now this move, this, this, the, the company now went virtual. There's a potential move. Is, 
is this now born out of the same kind of thing where it's a pain or is it more of this is just an opportunity? Now, is that still, you know what I mean? Like it, um, Keith Cunningham, who's a, a friend of Gary's and somebody I've formed a relationship as well, said something that really struck me. He said, what stops us from reinventing ourselves is an attachment to the way things used to be. You're seeing it right now where there's a lot of companies that were so attached to the way things used to be. We're, we're a brick and mortar store. We're not going to do e-commerce. Yeah, well, that attachment is putting you into bankruptcy, yep. right? We're seeing it now. And as a company called Productive that trains individuals, teams, and organization and organizations how to invest their time so they achieve extraordinary results, it behooves us to ask the question, what's the future of work? And I believe the future of work is virtually based, physically enhanced. It would only make sense that we be a virtually based company that is physically enhanced so that we can lead the charge. I love that. I love that. So talking about the concept of the one thing and, and, you know, you gave a little bit of an outline of what you guys do with, with organizations as you go in and you, and you essentially create that, that focus. And, and I, I love that. And I know that you actually live and breathe that too. There was, I don't remember the context of it cause this was a little over a year ago, but we had connected around something and I reached out and you said, you know what, right now, my one thing is X. So this is what I've got to prioritize. Let's circle back on, on something later on. Right. I mean, it was like, cool. And I loved it because it's, you are living the integrity of exactly what you are, what you are teaching. Will you unpack that just a little more on, on that concept of the one thing, how you guys work with that organizations and how you take it into your kind of own personal. Sure. Deal too. I think a great example is Domino's. You ever line up Domino's, Matt? I mean, it's been a while, but I, but I have indeed. It, it, based on, as far as you can remember, how many do you think you lined up at, at the best? Oh, I, I was uh, anything small tact. I was poor at best. So it was, you know, I, I might have gotten to 50, 60, but I always end up messing something else. Cool. 50 or 60. So let me ask you a question. If you wanted to knock them down, how did you do it? Push one and hope the rest fall. Right? We, we've all done this. But here's the challenge that's a metaphor for our lives. Every day we wake up and there are all these things that we could do. Most people treat everything that's on their plate like it matters equally. They show up to the office or they fire up their computer and they check what? Yep, jump on and start checking emails. Yep, until they realize it's time to go to a... And then you go to a meeting at that point, and then... Yep, yep. you yep. get out of the meeting, realize yep. you got five minutes, so you check. Yeah, we jump back on uh, email or social media, and people kind of get stuck Then somebody calls you and says, hey, do you got a minute? Yeah, absolutely, that's right. This literally repeats that's your day. all... Yep, sure. that's your day. And, and that's what we call spending your time. Yep. And that's what most people are doing. They are spending it. It's an expense. There is no expectation of a return. What we do is we help people start investing their time. Yep. Getting really clear on, okay, I still have all the stuff that's on my plate, but let me at least view them as dominoes. Right. Let me line them up and let me become the type of person who forms the habits of whacking away at the first one first. Because I know that if I can think big about my life, but go small and trust that the dominoes will fall, everything else becomes easier or unnecessary. So it really, this is about ruthless prioritization. It is about getting clarity 
on what matters most, prioritizing it, and developing the habits of doing what matters most first. So good. How hard is that for some people to get? I think because the concept of that is, I, I don't know of anybody, whether it's a leader in an organization, whether it's a parent, whether I don't know of anybody that's going to go, nah, that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't, I think people right. get that. How hard is that though for people to implement? Well, it's why it's the surprisingly simple truth yeah. behind yeah, 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 extraordinary yeah. results. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's easy. Yeah. And it, yeah. It, let's be honest, it is a challenge sure. because take however old you are, you literally have that many years under your belt of um, forming habits right. that support you not acting in that way. Yep. So we're literally talking about rewriting decades of behavior. That's right. And the, the mistake that people make is they read the one thing and they say, oh, I have to always have clarity on my one thing. I have to always time block that one thing. I have to protect every single time block. I have to say no to every distraction. They set the bar too high when in fact, it's really about, good, think big yep. about being that type of yep. person, but go small. Yep. And trust the dominoes will fall. Yep. And it starts by going as simple as, I mean, you, your one thing could literally be to ask, what's my one thing today? Yep. And if you just ask the question, boom, the day, like you, you did your one thing for the day, whether yep. you came up with an answer or not, it's actually about going small. Yeah. Yeah. Incremental. So good, man. I love that. So I want to take a step back for just a second too, because this is a perfect segue into, into the questions that we got from, from the youth, from the listeners. Um, you had a program called the, the mentee. That's, uh, I'm assuming, refers to having a mentor. I apologize that I haven't heard anything on that, but I yes. want to talk about that mentorship part of that. One of the questions that we got is, hey, does this individual who is out there crushing life, i.e. right now, McDreamy, um, does McDreamy have a mentor or are there multiple mentors? Have you had different mentors at different times of life? What does that kind of mentor-mentee relationship look like in your specific journey? Sure. Um, it's core to my whole story. <clears throat> It is literally the catalyst for me to make the career change from employee to entrepreneur and to feeling like I actually wake up every day and live my purpose. The truth is uh, people have gone before us. Yep. People have paved a path for where we want to go. And a lot of us unconsciously reinvent the wheel without stopping and looking and saying, all right, who's already traveled the path? Who can help me understand how long it's going to take there? Who can tell me the type of gear, how I have to train, what obstacles I'm going to have? Who could connect me with people that might actually accelerate my transition? When you surround yourself with the right people, what you're actually doing is collapsing time. Yep. Yep. You are shortening timelines. It's, it's absolutely core. And I absolutely have mentors in my life today. Yeah. You are shortening those timelines. You're right. I love that. There's a, the concept of the blueprint. You know, one of the things that we do here on campus, um, specifically for our launch patterns, which is what we call our, our high school group, is we bring in somebody every single week who is uh, an entrepreneur of some sort, whether they're local, whether they fly in, whatever that looks like. So they can sit down, they can talk about their entrepreneurial journey. And it's really a multifaceted reason that we bring that in. One of those is we want people to see those patterns, right? We want our youth to start to see that there are patterns, whether this person came in and they've become a professional athlete, you know, this person owns, you know, 30 body shops up and down California, this person, whatever it is, you see these similarities, you start to see some of these patterns of success, right? There also becomes the ability to, you know, create a relationship. And we look in that exact same thing going, hey, how can we provide value? Even as high school students, how can we provide value as a thank you for this person coming in, spending their time? You know, there's the network part of it, but a big part is just recognizing those patterns, recognizing the blueprints, um, and understanding who has laid those things out before us. I think that's powerful, man. Very powerful. So 
you came out of the sales background. You 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 end up taking the 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 chance. You know this this meeting off stage. You go in, learn to provide value. All that this it takes some gumption. Maybe you took that five minute uh, that, that five minute break where you kind of panicked for a second and then had to jump back on the phone. But your career sales would. There's an element of self-confidence that you have, obviously speaking to you. There's an element of self-confidence you have. One of the questions that we've got is around developing self-confidence. Do you feel like that is something that was a DNA trait for you? Is that something that you developed over time? Do you attribute it to your parents? What do you think is in terms of developing confidence for you? What does that look like? I I think there's I think it's all the above. Um, I have to give credit where credit is due. My my parents. For as long as I can remember, I remember them telling me um, it wasn't about the result. It was about my effort. So I remember in school, even if I didn't get the best grade, if I tried my hardest, they celebrated my effort. Um, they always told me they loved me. They always told me I could do anything I want. Like, And now that I've got little kids and I have like my seven-year-old's a mini-me, I am so intentional with my language with her and her confidence is off the chart. Yep. And, of you know, I have to believe that it had something to do with that. I also believe there are some things that are just personality profile. I happen to have the personality profile where I am very assertive. I move fast. And ever since I was a little kid, my mom would say, you know, if you just dangle a carrot in front of Jeffrey, he's going to go after it. It It happened in martial arts. It happened in sports. It happened in academics. It happens in my career. When I really set my mind to something, I'm relentless in, in chasing it. And, you start to live enough life where you start to have successes and you start to realize where you're different than others that then also boosts the confidence. So let's say you've got that. I love that. I love, I love hearing that. And, and, um, you know, I think there's, I feel like there's a lot of similarities with myself and, and the way that I'm parenting my children as well. I can look at mine and say, I've got some, I've got some very confident young people. Um, where do you think, cause you, you mentioned about the pain and the pain creating this need for a change too. Where's the balance on that from wanting to provide that that mindset of self-confidence but knowing that sometimes that pain can also propel you right you said you know at that point i hadn't had a lot of pain in my life and and that's a good thing but did it hinder in some way too how do you how do you balance that just from a dad standpoint ask it differently so we have got We've got these. We've got these kids, and and I, I I will agree with you. I look at my daughter, especially my nine year old daughter, and she is a very, um, she's a very self confident individual, and I think a big part of that is the way we particularly parent. Um, it's that that positive language. We um, allow her to have a voice. There's, uh, you know, we we encourage being assertive. We encourage effort over necessarily an outcome. A lot of those similar things that you are talking about, right? One of the things that I also believe is that there is growth, which kind of alludes to what you said earlier. There is growth through a certain amount of pain, right? Mm-hmm. That requires growth. Now, obviously, we don't want to put our kids in harm's way, but how do we provide those challenges for them that can maybe be those just micro stressors, right? So right. that they're not crumbling, but they are elevating that level of confidence, if that makes more sense. Sure. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I just believe that there's an importance of letting life teach us lessons. Mm. And especially when I look at my kids, I mean, let's be very clear. Pain motivates us more than pleasure. 
as a business owner, I'd rather sell aspirin than vitamins. Mm -hmm. I want to sell a solution to a problem somebody knows and they deeply feel rather than something they may not know and they may not actually have that much motivation to go after. And so when you also look at kids or employees, whoever it is, understanding that it's okay to allow people to endure some pain, to endure some stress and the job as a coach or as a parent is to be on the front line with them, locking arms, asking them great questions to teach them how to think. And that's what I appreciate about what you do with, you know, the Socratic method right. is you're not telling them what to do. You're asking the question so they learn how to think and they get to share their ideas in the, in a place where they've got guide that can actually help keep them within guardrails. Yep. But you just you just outlined a whole lot of the acting philosophy right there as you were talking. I'm like, man, if you move to if you guys need something else to do while you're there, if your one thing gets lost and you need to open an acting or, or if you'd be a great guide. So I just wanted to. Yeah, no, that's that's <laughs> yeah, awesome. Thanks. man. Very, very well said. Um, you mentioned in there a little bit about sports, about martial arts, too. I want to hear a little bit about that, too. One of the questions around the physical disciplines and obviously you still, um, you know, put health and fitness is, is still something that is a, a priority for you. Um, sure. What does that journey look like to and, and martial? I've been a lifelong martial artist as well. So very curious about that. I, I studied from the age of five till the time I went to college. Yeah. So I, I ended up earning a secondary black belt. I actually got tested by the Shaolin monks from China, really? which was wicked, which was wicked. How cool, cool is that? But yeah. that was, that was a, a core part of my upbringing was it was the first time I saw something that I could really pursue mastery in. Right. And I think the idea of moving up levels, the belts, the stripes was very attractive to me. Uh, mastery really captured my imagination and um yeah even even it, it taught me a lot of discipline it taught me habits it taught me control it taught me mindset which was very powerful and then you know you fast forward to today i as you go through college and then some of the career health wasn't as much of a priority and i remember what it felt like to look in the mirror for a period of time to say, that's not what I really look like yeah. and to kind of ignore it yeah. to the point where you look yourself in the mirror and say, who have you become? And to realize that you're actually not proud of that, yeah. that I then realized, okay, I'm, I'm missing habits in my life. Like my shirt says, decide your habits, yeah. decide, decide your future. future. Yeah. Right. Yep. I had to get very conscious of how, what's a habit I can form that would make living a vibrant, healthy lifestyle easier or unnecessary. Yep. And I formed one around exercise and it's a goal that I track. I have a relationship with it. Like I know for a fact this year I set a goal that to, to work out 250 times. And I can tell you year to date, it is August 20th. I can tell you I've exercised 169 times. Like I track it. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Good for you. I love that. We um, there's a fellow Austinite uh, out there by the name of Tim Kennedy, and he and I are working on uh, a a virtual program right now, uh, specifically for for young men. And uh, one of the required readings in there is James Clear's book, you know, uh, Atomic Habits. Um, yep, had him on the podcast. Did you have James on there? Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant human, great book. Um, Today but, I'm interviewing B.J. Fogg. Okay. Do you know who he is? I know who that is. Yeah. 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 How cool, man. Yeah. You should jump on that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I have to check that out. So cool, man. I love that. Um, 
shifting gears just a little bit because uh, the nature of the questions, but we're talking and we mentioned acting a little bit. One of the big things, um, you know, Socratic method is a big part learning to to control your habits, to set your own personal goals, um, taking on real world work. One of the things that we get approached with uh, a lot of times, a lot of organizations that are moving towards teaching financial literacy to young people. And I think that's fantastic, right? I think that's a, I think that's a, that's a, that's a great thing that we have definitely missed out on a traditional school uh, setting at Acton. It's inherently part of so many of our quests, what we do with the businesses, um, the children's business fair, you know, that I know you're familiar with all of those things that, that we're integrating that. So if the, the question that came through though, is what is a piece if you had to, and this can go so many different ways, but if you had to give, you know, your your young one's going to be 18, graduating, going off to college and says, Dad, what is the one piece of financial advice, the one thing I need to remember about money as I take off into the world? Track your net worth. Ooh. I like Track that. Track your net worth. I like that. I like that a lot. How do you define that's I know that's a that's a that's a concept that a lot of people go, okay, well, net worth gets kind of foggy, gets kind of gets kind of. Uh, I would go to Google yeah. and type in definition of net worth, but essentially you take all the things you owe, add yeah. up all the things you owe minus the things or own minus the things that you owe. So value of your house is X. Yep. You have a loan on it, subtract Y. Yep. You've got money in the stock market. You've got money in the bank. You have some credit card debt. Yep. You might have a loan on your car. Like figure out Very basic when you asset add liability. up all your assets and you subtract all your liabilities, yep. what is your net worth? Yep. That, the reason I went there is because that's the scorecard of the wealthy. That's right. It's not about how much you make. It's about how much you keep. And it will, just looking at that number once a month, pick a date. For me, it's the very first of the month. I, I look at it and I track it. I yeah. write it down. I literally have a file that shows my net worth over time. And you can see what actually happens to it. And it changes the way that you think because you start to look at things that might be exciting, but you realize actually that's going to decrease my net worth right. or will it increase it? And, and over time, everything else becomes easier or unnecessary. So cool. Great answer. Great answer. I love that. Can I give that. one more? Cause Please. this is a good one. Yeah. Um, Gary was teaching a class and he, he was talking about wealth building and he held up um, a woman's shoe and he said, I'm going to do an exercise here. And he held up a woman's shoe and for those of you ladies who are listening, it had a red sole on it. Uh, and he said, <laughs> we got one over here right now that just went, right? whoa. <laughs> yeah. and, and he said, let's assume that you wanted to buy this shoe. I had its, its, its pair and it was the right size for you or for your significant other. And I wanted to sell you this shoe for $10. Would you buy it? Every head went, oh yeah, hundred bucks. Yeah. And he went, a hundred thousand dollars. No. And he said, exactly. And people kind of went, what? And he said, here's the thing. Um, most people that master the value of depreciating assets mm. or liabilities. Wealthy, pe wealthy people master the value of appreciating assets. You know how much an iPhone is. You know how much you might know how much Netflix is a month, but do you actually know the value of real estate? Do you actually know the value of a specific stock? Wealthy people master the value of appreciating assets. And we don't touch that. Never mind the, we don't just touch, we don't touch that concept. We don't touch that conversation in, in our traditional school system. We don't. We don't even come close. I mean, we don't even, that's not even on the radar. 
nope. not even on the radar. And there's a million different reasons we can go into on why that is. But yeah, that's a that's a scary thing. I love that. Okay, so wanted to make sure because I want to make sure we stay we stay on our time too. So I'm gonna shift it just a little bit. We got a few more a few more questions on here, but. Let's say we've got that same eight. Well, we won't use your own job, but we have somebody that's 18 or somebody that's 22. They've just come out of high school. They've just come out of college. They're listening to this right now and they're going, oh my gosh, I love what Jeff's talking about. I love the concept of the one thing, the focus. Um, that's where I got to go. I need to go work for them. I've got to figure out how to provide value now. I got to realize what that is. What are you looking for from young people that are wanting to come to work for you? I am looking for people that are what I call infinite learners. I'm looking for people that have an insatiable thirst for knowledge. If I asked them what the last books they read were, they wouldn't have to think. They'd whip out their Audible account. They'd go, let's talk about it, right? I'm looking for that person that if they don't know how to do something, they're going to say, I'll figure out how. I'll learn how to do it. Because the truth is, life's a journey. And as long as you're learning and growing, you're good. Otherwise, you're dying. So not everybody has an infinite learner mindset. That's number one. Number two, accountability. There are people that when things don't go their way, they default to blame, shame, and justification. No, it was this person's fault or, well, how dare you put me in this position? Or, well, you just don't understand. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Draw on the line. I'm looking for people that don't go, when it doesn't go their way, they first and foremost look in the mirror and ask, what piece of this do I own? Right. And I mean, I've been teaching this to my kids to the point like when something, I remember one night my daughter was in the bath and something didn't go well and she was crying. And I remember in the middle of her tears, she went, what can I do better? And I was like, yay! <laughs> You're getting there it. There it is. Yes. So if you, if you are an infinite learner, if you adopt the mindset of somebody who is accountable and, and the third is following the path of mastery, you're always looking to get better. You're not satisfied with the status quo, you're asking, how do I get better? What's one thing I can do better to get so that I keep growing? That's it. It's all the mindset. So good, man. Yeah. And martial arts is a great microcosm for that too, that pursuit of mastery. I love that. But I love that, that eschewing the victimhood mentality. You know, we've got 11 Baudreaux rules in our house that are up that one of our rules is you are personally responsible. And that just goes for everything. If there is something on the floor in the house we all look at that and go, we are personally responsible for keeping this place clean. It just becomes part of our value system, right? It just becomes a non-negotiable. We will not be the victim mindset. You did it. You did it. Well, you played with this and I didn't play. My kids know that does not fly. You are personally responsible. You have to take ownership of that. I love Jocko's book, Extreme Ownership, right? And I actually just went back and reread that um, again. And I love the concept of um, good something goes wrong and he does this a lot in social media too something goes wrong something didn't go right good good because it gives you an opportunity to reflect and go okay where do i need to take more ownership of this scenario good now i can take it on and go fix that i love that man that's great so where is a where is a place that you are counterculture and when i say that the question is what's a piece of common knowledge that everybody knows everybody knows this is true but jeff goes 
Yeah, I, I don't think that's true at all. In my example that I always give, being a career educator, being in education forever, the common knowledge, especially in education, is, man, everybody's got to go to college. you got to you know, get all these kids college ready. College, college, college. I go, yeah, I actually think college is a bad move for more people than it is a good move. I actually think the ROI on college is not what it's made out to be. I'm very counterculture in that regard. How about you? Um. Here's the thing. I'm counterculture in the way I behave, not in the thoughts. And mm. here's what I mean. Uh, I'm counterculture in that if you followed me around with a camera, you would not see me check email right off the bat. You would not see me check email more than three to five times a day. You would not see me just answer my phone because there's a phone call or a text message. If somebody asks if I can attend a meeting, I don't default to saying yes. Yeah. I actually say no to more things than I say yes to now that I'm in this role, now that I've actually become a practice leader of the one thing, because I understand that everything doesn't matter equally. Yep. And I understand that time is our most valuable resource. There are more things on my plate today than I have time to do it. Yep. So if doing the most important thing is the most important thing, why do anything else? That's exactly it. What I'm counterculture and I do what matters most first. Yep. So good, man. So what's your one, what is the one thing right now? Well, there's two questions that I have. What is the one thing right now? And what's a place that we can help you right My now? one thing right now is being present in this interview. My one thing for today, yeah. which I've already accomplished, was to invest 30 minutes looking at our future org chart, which I've already done. Yeah. And um, to answer the final question, like how can you support us? We are we are always looking to share the message. You know, we, we genuinely believe we are going to change the way people view time. We believe that we will change what culture deems normal when it comes to whether people spend or invest our time. The only way we can do that is if people read the book or listen to the one thing podcast or go to the one thing.com and decide to enroll in a training and, and go on the journey. So for us, it's just about if this has stood out to you, subscribe to the One Thing podcast or read the book. Go to the one thing.com that's with the number one instead of it being spelled out like the book and the podcast are and, and decide if you think it's a fit and begin the journey. And, and the other thing I would ask is um, if there's somebody you know that you think would benefit from hearing the conversation we've had today, share it with them. And don't just go, yeah, I'm, I probably know some people like legitimately pause for 10 seconds and ask the question, who do I know who needs to hear this and actually text them the episode and say, I thought of you, I think you should listen to this. And there's a few reasons for this. One, they'll trust you and they'll do it. Two, it might be the exact same thing that they need in their life. And in that moment, you brought a tremendous amount of value to them. You are a value creator which in the long run brings lots of great things win, back win. Absolutely. Yep. Love that, man. So good. So the last thing you get a legacy quote, we find out, Hey Jeff, you know, God says, Jeff, man, tapping you on the shoulder just to let you know, buddy, uh, tomorrow, that's it. I know you got your 169 days of work on it. I'm going to go ahead and cut everything else short. We're putting you down and on your headstone though, I want you to leave that one quote that lets people know what Jeff wanted him to you know everybody else to remember this can be yours it can be somebody else what do you want to leave on that headstone invest your time and live a life of extraordinary results i love it i love the the, the concept of in the investment in time that um the analogy that you that you gave 
um, or the metaphors you gave earlier, I think is, is extremely powerful on that and taking a look at the time as, as an investment. Um, it's one of the, it definitely one of my favorite things going in my, uh, my, my, my favorite quotes, my favorite notes for this. So anywhere else you would send anybody to find out what's going on with you, with the organization? Um, I know a lot of, there's a lot of students listening to this. I also know there's a lot of parents and I would say, you know, if you're listening to this, I already know enough about you in terms of your mindset and the type of kids you want to raise or the type of um, student that you are. I would strongly encourage you to go to the one thing.com slash set my goals because it's not about having goals that you put on a PowerPoint and never look at and year after year say, I'll do better. Like we teach people how to have a relationship with their goals. Just like you date a significant other, how do you develop the habits of dating your goals? So every single week you're taking actions in align with the future that you want to design versus the future that could happen by default. I love it. Jeff Woods, thank you for your time today, my friend. Some powerful powerful stuff we're going to link everything uh in, in the show notes too but just uh, so much gratitude for you and, and what you're doing with uh you know with your organization but just just our relationship what you're doing for your family first and foremost too as somebody that's devoted their life to kids and, and seeing parents that i know parent in the way that you do too is, is something that fills me with gratitude as well so thank you for your time today my brother it's my pleasure thank you there you go, man, Mr. Jeff Woods. Hey, thank you guys for listening. Please continue to review, continue to share. We appreciate all the support here at the Essential 11. Catch you next time.